Welcome to episode 11 of the Pharmacist Matters podcast. I'm your host, Justin Bates. Today, we're talking about a very important topic uh, that is hitting home for so many Ontarians and Canadians relating to mental health. About 65 to 70% of Canadians rated their mental health as very strong or excellent. But since fall and periods of lockdown across provinces, that number has dropped to about 40%. And that's astronomical when you think about the impact on people's lives. These figures are probably higher in the healthcare profession, which we know is very directly impacted by the pandemic. One third of participating healthcare workers report fair or poor mental health. Being born in the 70s, I remember the stigma growing up about mental health and how it was difficult to have the conversation and even admit that you were struggling. You were considered weak. Uh, Toughen up was the words that you would always hear. And I believe that we've come a long way from those days of trying to break down the barriers and understand more about the complexity behind mental health and addictions. That said, this isn't a single day. This isn't uh, something that we can do episodically. We need to have a sustained effort to ensure we have the tools and resources to support people in all walks of life deal with this new area that we're learning about day in and day out. I think it's really hit home during the pandemic when we've seen the changes in our society, the work-life balance, trying to cope with what we're learning about this year-long now pandemic and the impact it's having on all of our lives. And I think about the beginning of the pandemic where people were banging their pots and pans and there was so much outpouring of compassion and, and love for healthcare providers and recognizing the important frontline role that they play. And I noticed that as we progress through the initial months of the pandemic and now, you know, more than a year into it, that's somewhat shifted. There's still support out there. And I think people still recognize the value and the role of healthcare providers, particularly now more than ever. But you start to see this fatigue and almost uh, we call road rage, but I feel like there's this pandemic rage where people are taking out some of their frustrations on frontline care providers, as well as essential healthcare workers. You see it in retail uh, and other settings as well. And I think that's probably a very sad commentary on where we are right now uh, in the pandemic. So let's get into it. I want to introduce my my three guests uh, and uh, have this uh, conversation about mental health. So joining us today is Dr. Ali Albadini, who is a healthcare leader and registered pharmacist, currently working as the pharmacy manager at Winchester District Memorial Hospital in Ontario. He received his Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the University of Colorado, Denver, and is a graduate of the Harvard Medical School of Global Clinical Scholars Research. He is currently an affiliate research investigator with the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute, an assistant professor with Family Medicine Department with the University of Ottawa, and a clinical assistant professor with the Skag School of Pharmacy at Denver, Colorado. He has been heavily involved with COVID vaccine clinics in Ottawa and has published over nine papers on COVID-19 with four papers highlighting the pharmacist's role during the pandemic. Also joining us on today's program is Dr. Karen Cohen, who's a psychologist and chief executive officer of the Canadian Psychological Association. After completing her master's and doctoral degrees in clinical psychology at the University of Windsor, she went on to complete a postdoctoral fellowship in rehabilitation psychology 
in neuropsychology at the Ottawa Rehabilitation Centre, where she worked for nine years with persons living with a range of chronic conditions and disabilities. She holds and has held leadership role positions on many health and science-related alliances, such as the Health Action Lobby, the Canadian Alliance of Mental Illness and Mental Health, and the Canadian Consortium of Research. She has prepared and presented briefs to standing committees of the Senate and House of Commons of Canada on matters pertaining to health and mental health. Dr. Cohen has written and presented widely across Canada and internationally on the science, practice, and education of psychology and on psychology's contributions to public policy. Also joining us on the program is Jamie Keller, who's an associate professor and associate dean academic at the Leslie Dan Faculty of Pharmacy at the University of Toronto, as well as a licensed pharmacist in Ontario. She received an Honours Bachelor of Science degree in Human Kinetics from the University of Guelph, followed by a Bachelor's of Science in Pharmacy and Doctor of Pharmacy degree, both from the University of Toronto. Currently, she is a PhD candidate in the School of Health Professions Education, Maastricht University, Netherlands, where she is using Foucaultian critical discourse analysis to study pharmacist professional identity. Professor Keller's practice area is in the field of mental health, specifically in patient mental health. Dr. Keller is an award-winning educator, having won the University of Toronto Early Career Teaching Award and the Association of Faculties of Pharmacy of Canada National Award of Excellence in Education. Jamie, it's great to have you on the program, and I wanted to get your perspective on what are some of the the pandemic-specific mental health challenges that healthcare professionals are facing these days? I know you talk to many of your peers and uh, have a really good understanding of what's going on in the front lines, so I think your perspective is going to be really important for our listeners. Thanks, Justin. Well, I think probably there's a number of things that are challenging the mental health of healthcare professionals, including pharmacists. I think there's a lot of concern around uncertainty and a lot of concerns that healthcare providers have seeing patients every day and going home to their families and their loved ones and concerns about whether or not they may have been exposed to COVID-19 and whether they may be, you know, inadvertently bringing that back to family members and to loved ones. And certainly that causes significant distress for some. I also think that the work environment has changed and there's a lot of pressure on healthcare providers to continue to provide high quality care, but certainly in new and innovative ways that um, has taken a lot for folks to adjust to. So virtual care, doing a lot more on the telephone, um, all of the social distancing and physical changes that we've had to make to a number of our work environments also have caused some, some changes to workflow. And when you start to put all of these things together, I think that it really does make the the work different and challenging and there seems to be no rest and when you add on top of that particularly in pharmacies our accessibility and the increased volumes of care there's a lot of demands and pressure on folks time and I think all of those things can in fact negatively impact overall mental health and well-being. Um, and maybe Ali, I can get some of your perspectives. Well, to answer this important question let's go back to March of the last year when reporting on COVID-19 started. Of course, healthcare professionals were at the forefront of receiving information. We have established task forces, ordered additional uh, PPEs, and also delayed uh, and canceled uh, some surgeries. We really were preparing for the worst, but hoping the shutdowns imposed 
would make a difference. I would say healthcare providers and nurses and all the other staff had to obtain training in roles that they didn't expect to be in, such as in the ICU. At home and in our communities, healthcare professionals were concerned about being infected in healthcare settings and then possibly bringing the disease to loved ones at home. And many of the healthcare professionals even chose to stay away from home. Others established a routine by which they would just take measures not to infect families. Work, work stressors, changing roles, having concerns about bringing COVID back to home and communities, all those factors were very difficult to cope with. Quite important to remember that healthcare professionals for, of all disciplines are taking care of patients with COVID-19 and the rapid spread that we have seen of this disease and the severity of symptoms pushed many countries to the limits of their healthcare systems. In order to effectively support healthcare professionals in times of COVID-19, it's important to understand the specific sources of mental health challenges and try to address each of them individually, which are work stressors, concerns for, for uh, healthcare providers and their families, also have seen burnouts and being exhausted emotionally as well. Um, Karen, I wanted to get your perspective. Uh, I mean, leading uh, the CPA and seeing this from uh, probably much, uh, much more holistic perspective across all professions and, and society in general, would love to get some of your insights. We have spent a tremendous amount of time trying to create resources for the public and health providers, our stakeholders um, around COVID, uh, and, and many of those are archived on our website. We also have a, a podcast uh, that we've done. We also have a pro bono service to frontline health providers on the front line if they're feeling stressed by um, the, the constraints of delivering and the stresses of delivering care, health care during COVID. There are hundreds of psychologists who volunteered to provide uh, very um, prompt uh, support. But, but I think uh, just a couple additional things that particularly face healthcare providers, I think one thing to keep in mind is that we're all human beings before we're anything else. So before we become pharmacists and psychologists and physicians, we're human beings. So the worries that health providers face are not dissimilar to the worries we all face managing uh, the stresses of living through a pandemic. I think when I think back to the days when I was in practice, uh, doing work with people who had chronic disease, I think generally people are really good in the short term, but eventually the casseroles stop coming. It's harder in the long haul to maintain levels of support, uh, particularly uh, emotional support. I think for health providers, they have a lot of information coming at them at once when they have to make decisions. So it's not like they can stop and think, okay, let me think this through. Obviously they need to do that, but everything is changing so rapidly and that's a stress. There's, they don't have a break, I think, which is which is important. And then we probably look to family and friends of our lives who are health providers looking for their guidance. So for, for them, uh, COVID is even more 24-7 than it is for the rest of us when, when uh, people in their lives as well as their patients are relying on them for health and advice. And then, of course, a heightened transmissions, risks, disruptive childhood care. Uh, Dr. Uh, El Badini talked about 
being redeployed to do other tasks and jobs, which would be stressful for anyone if you're put in a situation, facing people whose health problems you can't take away. That's what we're trained to do is to make people feel better. And we're facing um, a, a virus that takes a huge physical toll for which there is no ready and quick uh, a cure for everybody. So um, that is also, also stressful. So I, I think later we're going to talk a little bit about self-care. It's important and it's especially important for healthcare providers. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and I, I want to stay with that theme. What, like, can you describe some of what you're seeing as the early signs of stressors for healthcare providers and what do they need to be aware of? Um, I think, you know, it's, it's what are, what are the signs of stress for anyone living through this? People may have difficulty uh, sleeping. They, they may notice changes in their eating habits. They may be worried. Uh, they may find their mood is impacted. And I think when it comes to mental health, it's really not uh, a matter of a particular symptom, but how many and for how long. So if you find yourself uh, in a situation where your mood is low for a long time, you're you're not able to accomplish the activities that you usually accomplish at work or home, um, and you find your life really disrupted by your 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 state, your feelings of depression or anxiety, that may be the time to reach out to a healthcare provider. That may be your signal that you know what this may be a little bit more than I can handle on my own. I need some support, and, and I think it's also important to keep in mind that when it comes to mental health intervention and support. There are a lot of things we can do um, personally to take care of our mental wellness. So we know, particularly during times of stress, routines are very, very important. It's important to take breaks and take care of yourself, not when you're over the top, but before you're over the top. So integrating, you know, a walk or a break or relaxation into your routine is going to be a lot more effective than waiting until you're so stressed and then taking a break. Really, really important. Um, diet, having outlets, things that give you peace and restore you, whether they're hobbies or sports that you can do safely with the confines of, of, of the pandemic. It, it's that ongoing self-care that is critically important and we'll be better health providers if we take care of ourselves. What are some of the resources available to pharmacy professionals to help with the mental health stressors? So I think there's a lot of resources that are available and sometimes uh, resources can actually be too numerous and folks feel overwhelmed by the potential options. And so I do think that it really does depend on the individual. And I think it depends on the level of support that the specific individual needs. That said, uh, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, so CAMH, has a really great um, set of pages on their website specifically to provide um, information on resources and supports during COVID for healthcare professionals specifically. They also have great pages for the public um, as well, but there are specific um, resources on their website that are geared towards information and support for healthcare providers. So I think there's a lot of things listed there. I think probably many pharmacists through their employer have um, access to things like um, EAP programs or uh, mechanisms that they can access counseling short term usually. But again, something that um, folks can tap into, and I certainly recommend it. They provide excellent short-term service, and sometimes that's all folks need is just a neutral uh, counselor to listen for small periods of time and or to suggest other resources to them. Again, obviously, psychology um, for folks that feel like they need to have a counselor or a psychologist or a therapist is always great. But again, depending where individuals live, depending on costs, those things 
are not necessarily as readily available as um, other types of resources. You can use things like bibliotherapy. There's a lot of really great guided books on things like Mind Over Mood that are really inexpensive and you work through them at your own pace. They're evidence informed and they're grounded in cognitive behavioral therapy and you work through them on your own and they have really positive data to support um, improvements in things like depression and anxiety. So those things are readily available even through Amazon and Indigo. And then I think there's a lot to be said for thinking about self-care. And this is not me saying that there are not global challenges as well as systemic work issues that are really contributing to burnout. I don't think that burnout or mental health issues are the responsibility um, or the fault of an individual. They are certainly resulting from larger systemic challenges that we face within our work environments and within our societies. That said, I think when you think about it at an individual level, we do have an opportunity for autonomy and we do have some control over how we spend our time, including the time that we spend at work. So thinking about ways that you can improve your work environment through social activities or even team building activities within your pharmacy, thinking about self-care. And self-care doesn't have to be an hour a day. It doesn't have to be exercise. I mean, we talk about it a lot. It's really about finding 10 minutes a couple times a day to do something that brings you joy, whatever that is for you. And it sounds small, but those small pieces of self-care go a long way to developing resilience and to combating compassion fatigue. We're healthcare providers. A key function of what we do is provide compassionate care, but you can't provide compassion to others if you don't provide and have compassion for yourself. And that's really hard because when we get busy at home and at work, the first thing to give or the first thing to get bumped out of our schedules is usually the time that we have for ourselves. And so again, this is something that I have proactively really taken control of myself this year. And now I do exercise in 10 minute spurts um, between meetings sometimes because it's the only time I get, but it brings me joy for those 10 minutes and makes the rest of the day seem a little less daunting. And so I don't know that self-care in and of itself can solve mental health challenges, particularly serious ones like mental health disorders and or burnout, but it certainly can contribute to improving our overall sense of well-being. And all of us can benefit from that right now, especially healthcare providers. We've seen so much change in uh, such a short period of time when we think about it uh, from where we were a year ago with the pandemic. We, we certainly saw an outpouring of compassion and um, love from the public with banging pots and things like that the early days. But I think a lot of that started to shift as people uh, got more and more tired of the pandemic and frustrated and we see it in retail and so forth. What do you think the impact to patient care has been and how can we better support these healthcare professionals? Well, I think the impact to care certainly varies. And I think that one of the main things that we need to, to think about and, and be worried about is whether or not our healthcare professionals are in the right state of mind to be able to, to be practicing, not only to full scope, but to be able to, to continue to provide compassionate care, but also to make sure that they're doing it accurately. And certainly when our mental health gets worse, um, and if it's getting worse over prolonged periods of time, we always run the risk in any health profession, including pharmacy, about making mistakes. And certainly errors um, are concerning on all levels and have the potential to cause harm to patients. And so certainly that's one of the biggest concerns. 
But I think overall, one of the things that when we're thinking about healthcare providers is it's well known that we provide care. And there's a lot of stigma around mental health workers themselves seeking care. And so I think it's really important to remind ourselves as healthcare providers that we also are at risk of our mental health worsening. We may also have underlying mental health conditions that you know may in, in fact be controlled um, or we may be doing well and, and the pandemic may have led to a relapse or an exacerbation of our symptoms. And so we actually do need support and care just like our patients in some cases. But I think sometimes we are reluctant to seek help. We're worried about what that might mean about us as a healthcare professional. We might worry about, about um, our image or what people might think. And so I think those things actually add a lot of internal stress. We internalize some of that stigma. And so that actually, I think, is really concerning, um, particularly because if folks are really stressed in their work environment and possibly getting to the point now where this has been going on so long, where burnout could in fact be a real thing that folks are experiencing, um, and that we know doesn't resolve by itself. You can't think your way out of burnout. You can't snap out of it. And so those folks actually really do require interventions, often in the form of support like counseling or possibly medication. And so if we let that go too long, not only do we risk potentially compromising the care we provide our patients, but we actually are in a position where we may end up harmed ourselves. And worst case scenarios are certainly um, taking our own life or suicide. And we've seen that in the press with healthcare workers being at higher risk than the general public. So the impact of this and our own worsening mental health is something that we really need to talk about. And we really need to normalize that it's okay that our mental health may also be suffering because we are also living through the pandemic while also trying to maintain um, really great high level patient care. And that's really hard to do. And it's okay to actually talk about these things. And I think these podcasts are a really great way to do that. Get help. Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed of in seeking care if you need it. Those are great points to to consider uh, and, and having that confidence and support to be able to say you're not okay. Asking for uh, support from family, from peers, I think is also a very important part of this. Um, Ali, you've uh, written many articles and, and one in particular was about mental health issues impacting specifically pharmacists during COVID-19. Um, perhaps you can uh, elaborate a bit on uh, what some of the specific mental health issues have been for yourself and, and some of your peers? So my publication um, that came out in uh, June uh, of last year uh, addresses the specific implication of COVID-19 on mental health of pharmacists. Pharmacists provide many uh, types of essential services uh, during the pandemic, uh, which often cannot be done from a remote location. So you have to be there actually uh, to be available for your patients, either in the community or in the hospitals. And we have experienced it as pharmacists an increase in many services that we provide to patients, such as the number of patients seen. We have seen many patients who have non-COVID-19 related illness may be hesitant to go directly to hospitals. And instead of that, they just go to the retail pharmacy and approach the pharmacist. That could lead to a strain on community pharmacists as they attempt to fill that clinical role the amount of screening and triage being done also as well, the amount of COVID-19 information being delivered, 
the number of medication shortages that we're still actually experiencing until today. The pharmacists are spending 24% of their shifts dealing with medication shortages. Also, we have seen some harassment also from patients. It's unfortunate circumstances that pharmacists have to face uh, abuse and harassment in their workplace. About 73% of pharmacists report an increase in harassment, verbal abuse, and other forms of abuse by patients ever since the pandemic began. And just very recent, we started uh, being involved in the vaccination clinics around Ontario and the rest of Canada. These activities, I find, increase the amount of stress, burden, and also frustration felt by pharmacists, and it may have negative impact on, on, on their mental health and well-being. And if, if it's left unchecked, a mental health crisis could come out of the current uh, COVID-19 pandemic. According to the Canadian Pharmacy Association, pharmacist mental health was among the top four pharmacists' greatest concern during COVID-19, along with personal and staff safety, drug shortages, and workload and staffing shortage. Poor pharmacist mental health may lead to decreased quality of care, attention paid, and also decision-making ability, and pharmacists with low job satisfaction often have less productivity and lower overall quality of life as well. Thank you for sharing those uh, insights from your your work and, and experience firsthand uh, of how you're coping with all of this, whether it's drug shortages, um, not being vaccinated in the early days as well and understanding what the access is going to look like for PPE. That was a huge factor uh, in the early months of um, of the pandemic and for community pharmacists, uh, particularly being open, one of the few that remained open, um, understanding the protocols and screening and assessment of patients and how to set up their stores with the appropriate safety protocols um, and, and ensure both the continuation of care in the in the community, but also uh, maintaining those safety uh, measures. Um, just shifting for a moment to back to, to Karen, uh, wanted to get your sense as we look at the COVID vaccines now fully rolling out. We've got priority populations that we're going through um, and supply that's now starting to come in more readily. Uh, I want to know what when life does get back to normal, and we, we hope it does to whatever our new normal is, what do you think some of the mental health complications are going to be facing healthcare workers beyond uh, what we've talked about thus far? Um, I think that, um, you know, one of the challenges is that during a crisis, um, we may not fully feel, feel the, its effects until after. So if you look at older studies of soldiers in battle, they often might not feel the pain of their injury until the battle's over. So we may not fully live the impacts of this prolonged stress till the stressor abates somewhat. Um, I, I guess I would say a few things. Going back to my earlier comment, self-care is really, really important, and it may not feel like it is, but in terms of managing that stress, the more you can do to take care of yourself as you go along, the better it's going to be, as opposed to waiting till the stress is at a level that your 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 um, your well-being is is really severely hampered. So, as I said, routines, relaxations, things you enjoy, exercise, sleep, avoiding substances. I often suggest to people sometimes when we're under stress, we'll uh, go for the thing that makes us feel better. For some people, it might be a drink. For other people, it might be a piece of chocolate cake. And I'll often say, think about how it's going to help you cope today and in an hour from now. So when you do it in an hour from now, try to make the decisions that are going to serve you well in the long run. 
I think, but going back to the treetops in terms of your question, the tale of the pandemic is going to be a long one and it's not going to be physical. It's going to be psychosocial. So long after we have vaccines and maybe have the virus in hand, people are still going to be dealing with its impacts on their interpersonal relationships, on kids and their, you know, how it's affected their their school journeys during the year, uh, the stress on families. On the one hand, we hear a lot about people feeling lonely who are living alone and maybe don't have those social contacts. And then living with family 24-7 brings its stressors as well in terms of family pressures and conflicts. conflicts. Uh, financial pressures for some, that certainly affected people's uh, businesses and work lives. That will be something that will take some time for to resolve. Grief and loss for people who have lost uh, families of friends, either due to COVID or other things during this time. We can't come together in our usual ways to mourn people, um, to have support when we face life's uh, bumps in the road. Um, these are all uh, certainly going to be stressors that it's going to take some time to, to heal and, and to, to deal with. I think as well, the backlog of healthcare problems, we've heard a lot about how during the pandemic, people may be less willing to go to see their doctor to emerge out of concerns. And so they may be showing up sicker. Um, things have been delayed. So we're going to be dealing with those things for for certainly some time uh, to come. I think what's gonna be important is that we, we, as I said, we monitor our self-care as we go. We put things in place uh, to take care of our own mental wellness. People take that individual responsibility and that we reach out uh, for help when we need it. I'm also wondering what can professional associations like OPA do to better support the well-being of their members and uh, in the sector at large, and what resources are available for healthcare professionals that they can take advantage of. You know, I think um, I could speak for our own association. Some of the things we've done is we've developed a series of fact sheets on, you know, how to how to maintain work-life balance, how to work at home, how to. Um, uh, handle the concerns of your kids. So a lot of fact sheets just around coping and things to consider when you're managing all of those issues. We have fact sheets related to moving your practice virtual, probably less the case for pharmacy, certainly more for psychologists. A lot of mental health care is being delivered virtually. What are some of the things you need to think about in terms of privacy, security, um, you know, making sure you're delivering care to the same standard as you would as if it was face-to-face. -face. So we have a lot of resources um, and from that perspective, we have a series of webinars and podcasts, much like you do, uh, on coping and different aspects of, of, of coping with, with the pandemic. We have a, a workbook that might be of interest to your, uh, your membership. It was written by one of our psychologists for health providers on how to take care of yourself during a pandemic, how to cope during a pandemic. I think the other thing that associations can do is advocacy. So listen to your members, ask your members, what are the things keeping you up at night? What are the things that are getting in the way of you doing your job at this time? And if there are things that employers um, can do or government can do or funders can do, then being the voice of your, your members and trying to advocate for the kinds of supports uh, that they need, whether it's as Dr. Uh, Albadini mentioned about drug shortages and flow or access of PPE and all of those things, I think associations can play a really important advocacy role for the needs of professionals, especially during this time. Jamie, I want to come back to you for your final thoughts on ways that organizations like OPA as professional associations can support healthcare professionals in maintaining their mental health. 
So I think that's a great question. And I really do think that OPA as leaders within the profession and certainly leaders within Ontario have opportunity and responsibility actually in this particular area. And so I think things like this podcast talking about mental health in healthcare providers specifically goes a long way to opening up dialogue. And I think it sends a message that you're hearing that your members are experiencing a decline in their overall sense of well-being and that you recognize that and that the work that they're doing is important, but taking a toll. And there's still a lot left. I, I know that we're, you know, a long way into the pandemic, but it's not over yet. And when we think about all of the exciting opportunities for pharmacists moving forward with the vaccination rollout, this is really a tremendous time to be a pharmacist. And there's huge opportunities for us to contribute to patient care and to our societies in really meaningful ways. But I think we also have to recognize with that comes significant stress, uh, added workloads. And although it's really rewarding, it's also hard. And it's okay to say that it's hard and that some days are gonna be harder than others. And I think it's just about normalizing these conversations so that folks are not seen as complaining or being negative if they struggle, that there is a space for this, although it's really exciting and a really great time for the profession as a whole. I also think, again, having forums where we've got individuals who may be experiencing um, declining mental health, having them share their experiences for those that are comfortable, again, goes a long way to breaking down stigma. And so any opportunities for education, for panels, for conversation, for peer support, I think also goes a really long way. And then again, I think recognition. People like to be recognized for the work that they're doing and the more positive support for pharmacists, I think the better. Um, and those things are all on their own small, but when you start to put them together, the overall effect is, is larger and positive for most individuals. One of the heartbreaking things that, that we've learned and, and heard about throughout the pandemic are, are the suicide rates, uh, both from uh, a, a broad society perspective, but also uh, some uh, certainly in the healthcare professional space. And, and I know part of that is the challenge of, of recognizing the signs that we've talked about today, to being comfortable talking about it and breaking down the stigma associated with mental health. Um, and I think that's, you know, pandemic pre during and post a challenge. Maybe Karen, you can speak a little bit about that stigma uh, related to mental health and how it specifically relates to healthcare professionals. Cause we see our healthcare professionals as the solution. People go to them for help. And I wonder if that um, position also can impact them for not asking for help. Uh, are there steps that we can take to open up the conversation about mental health in healthcare settings? You know, I think we've come a really long way as a country in combating stigma. If you think about conversations 10 years ago, we talked publicly a lot less about mental health. So organizations like the Mental Health Commission of Canada, the Canadian Mental Health Organization, like our association, Canadian Psychological Association, I think we've all worked very hard in a collaborative way to, to raise the conversation. I think where we still have some more work to do is in walking the talk. So now that we perhaps um, are all more, much more aware and comfortable talking about mental health and the impact mental health and mental health problems can have on, on people, we need to do a better job at making uh, care available. Um, and, and that, again, is a role I think that health professional associations can play. We don't do a great job in this country uh, providing funded mental health care. 
Um, our public health care systems generally pay for care delivered in certain uh, institutions, hospitals, for example, or, to, or the care of certain providers, primarily physicians. But a lot of our mental health care in Canada is delivered by other regulated providers, psychologists, in some uh, social workers or some licensed uh, psychotherapists in some jurisdictions. And that care isn't covered by our public health and plans. And employers uh, who often provide extended uh, health care plans, which includes mental health, need to be encouraged to provide meaningful amounts of coverage. I often say giving someone to buy 10 cents to buy a loaf of bread isn't effective. So if you have a plan that gives you $300 worth of coverage, it's not going to buy you a lot of treatment. So I think we need to work to walk the talk, give people access to, to funded care. And that can be done uh, certainly through uh, the, the private sector and extended healthcare plans. And I think that the public sector needs to take a good long look at the value it places on uh, the care we deliver for both mental um, and uh, physical health. We need, we need parity. We need uh, healthcare systems that don't place differential coverage or limits on care, whether it's for a mental or physical um, health problem. Where do you think we are with that stigma that's associated with talking about mental illness? I mean, I, I think we've made some progress over the last decade, but what are your thoughts, particularly within the healthcare profession? Do you think the stigma is still one of the rate limiting factors? So I agree, Justin. I think we have made huge strides and I don't want to minimize the amount of work that's been done in this space to really normalize conversations about mental health but I would say that it is still not talked about at the same level as other chronic conditions and I think that we've gotten better at talking about and normalizing mental health disorders as healthcare providers we talk about it with our students we talk about it with our patients but I don't know that we've done a great job talking about how we ourselves are impacted by that. We're not immune to these things either. And I think there's still a fair amount of internalized stigma around, can I be a competent healthcare provider if my mental health is suffering or if I have a mental health disorder? And so there, I think still is some stigma, particularly in us talking about our need for care or our potentially um, declining mental health. I also think there's internalized worry about what folks, um, employers will think about what our patients would think if they knew. So I, although we've made strides, I think there's a lot of work to do specifically in the healthcare community, talking about our own mental health challenges. That said, I do think that peer support is really valuable and really important. And there's an element of support when you're talking to other healthcare providers, but more specifically pharmacists or, or pharmacy techs or assistants or whoever's part of your pharmacy team, there's this element of shared understanding. And so when you talk to somebody who does the work that you're doing every day, you don't need to explain the challenges because folks are living them with you. And it might be a different store or it might be a hospital, but there's still an underlying shared compassion about what each is going through and how hard that is on top of, you know, everyday life. Pharmacists are not only managing significant impact in their work life, but their personal lives have changed as a result of the pandemic as well. Homeschooling in some cases or partners that may have lost jobs. And so there's a lot happening um, 
in our lives in all spheres that I think is really important to recognize. And having peers that at least understand the work part um, provides a way to, to get some of that out. And we know just talking about these things and feeling compassion from others um, in understanding our circumstances goes a long way to reducing some of that social isolation that folks are experiencing and to really helping people to, to feel better overall, which I think is great. Just coming a couple of days off of the Ontario budget where significant investment was announced in mental health. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, how that manifests uh, in terms of specific areas of investment and, and supports from a public uh, perspective is going to be critical. And also uh, continuing with that to make it sustainable, because uh, you're right, there's lots more conversations. We have we have a lot of people coming out and telling their stories, which I think is important to break down some of those barriers and, and the stigma. Uh, we have, you know, different promotional days throughout the year that talk about the importance of mental health and, and awareness of addictions and things of that nature. But it has to be a very much a sustained effort. Um, and and I'm, I'm pleased to see that we're making some progress over the last decade uh, with lots of work still to do. Um, Ali, I want to bring you back in uh, for a final question around uh, what you think the the importance of peer support is. Uh, being in that healthcare setting, how can your colleagues and other healthcare professionals support each other? And what's the importance of the family support? Um, can you maybe elaborate a bit on that? Knowing the, the current burden on healthcare workers uh, is quite unique. So it's quite important that people on the front line help each other with the mental burden of this pandemic. There is a tremendous amount of power in the shared experiences. Human needs social connection and also mutual feeling of stress and fear often create some of the strongest social bonds. In situations like this, to find the support of colleagues can make a huge difference in, in our day-to-day -day, uh, well-beings. Supporting each other could be as simple as a check on each other's, like by a genuine, how are you doing? It goes a long way in helping someone feel supported and more connected to the people around them. Also approach general well-being as a team. Sometimes you, you need to address your own needs while at work, which can be also challenging in a busy environment, especially amid COVID-19, or when focused on caring for others. So we need to make sure that we all together are giving each other the time and the coverage to take care of ourselves, like eating, drinking water, using the bathrooms, texting the loved ones, or talking or talking for a few minutes to uh, decompress after a stressful situation. Also, it's very important to take a time to, to laugh. Humor actually could be a very effective coping tool during the scary and tense time that we're in. And also we need to pay attention to nonverbal cues. I find this very, very important because a lot of people have trouble opening up about what they are feeling. Some uh, may not even realize that they are struggling if they are always focused on reaching to emergencies or reacting to emergencies. So if you are looking, you can probably pick up on which of the coworkers are having a hard time than others. So that's why it's very important for us as managers to just uh, you know have this um, channel of communications and the chat with your staff and take few moment, take few minutes if you're scheduled even if it's busy. So it's very, very important uh, to, uh, to team bonding and also, um, you know, have this channel of communication open. Support from close family members and friends also could be crucial 
and fostering the ability to endure and do the work that they need to do. And that support could come through too many ways. Such as giving them just opportunities to talk, just give them space and time to talk, to vent about what concerns them. Help them also with their self-talk. Talk to them about the fact that they and everyone around them are not at their best times like this. Just make them feel it's, it's normal. What we are experiencing now, it's normal. Also remind them to be more tolerant and forgiving on themselves. Solve problems and give also practical assistance, such as helping them to maintain routine. Have a healthy diet, as Dr. Cohen mentioned earlier. Focus on gratitude. Schedule more meaningful and positive activities. Respect their duties and also encourage them to socialize with mentors or others who understand. So also creating family rituals. I find this is quite important, which promote connection and be also active listener to them and maintain empathy and the emotional support and encouraging them to do whatever they can to help themselves stay healthy. I want to come back to Jamie and talk about your insights about how patients can better support their pharmacist during this difficult time. So we've talked a little bit during the, the episode around how the public and, and certainly um, how our peers, friends, and family can support uh, so healthcare professionals overall. But, but I'm thinking maybe patients have a role too. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. I, I think when we think about um, our responsibilities to work with patients, we talk a lot about shared decision-making and shared care and partnering with patients. And so I think that there's an element of partnership that goes both ways. And so I do think that patients can actually provide a lot of support to pharmacists and the pharmacy teams. And it can be in small ways. I think that having a patient who actually understands or maybe doesn't inherently understand how busy things are or how things have changed because they wouldn't necessarily know all of the ins and outs of the profession. But I think having compassion to what they can observe in the busy pharmacy settings or even just recognizing the work that's being done by their pharmacists, small things like thank you or I really appreciate um, this information that you've provided or you're doing a lot to stay open and you must be experiencing stress as well. This is certainly um, appreciated. I think recognition goes a long way and it doesn't need to be um, grand gestures, small thank yous, tokens of appreciation from patients. I think warm pharmacists hearts um, on a regular basis. And so I think that can certainly make a huge difference. I also just think that patients trying to have a broad understanding that the pharmacists are living through the pandemic, just like everyone else. They're not immune to um, the uncertainty or the potential anxiety or to some of the mental health challenges. And again, I think if we talk about that and we share that healthcare providers, including pharmacists, are also experiencing the pandemic and, you know, they've got family members who also may be having medication shortages or who haven't been vaccinated and those things translate all humans. So there's a connection that we all have, having lived through the first pandemic, um, obviously in over a century. And so again, it goes back to those shared stories and shared understanding. And I think there's a role for all society to play in supporting each other as we all have 
different um, responses to what has been a major global event. That's great. Thank you for some of those really helpful tips that anyone can implement and consider when thinking about how they can support both themselves, their colleagues, friends, and, and family members. Karen, I wanted to give you the, the final thoughts here on uh, uh, the range of topics that we've uh, covered today and, and the importance of that uh, family support. Um, thanks. I, I guess one thing I just wanted to mention that maybe um, in dealing with stress, I think it's important to, to, to keep in mind that it's normal to feel stressed by what's going on. So if it, 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 in fact, if, if we weren't at all bothered by what was going on, it might be more of a problem than the fact that we are. Everyone um, is going to be impacted by living through this kind of a, a, a health crisis. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that um, people get stressed, stress doesn't get people. So in other words, not all of us are going to express it in the same way. So um, I think I think Dr. Albedini mentioned you got to we got to listen to our friends and our families and our colleagues to, to really see how it's impacting them and the things that might work for you in coping may not be the things that work for them. So really uh, see see people hear them, listen to them, provide the support you can. I think the pandemic is a great example of how coping with it, it requires community action. And by taking care of the, ourselves, we take care of each other, which means we can better take care of ourselves. I want to thank each of you for sharing your insights today on our program. Certainly, this is an important topic that requires more than just one conversation in one episode, but it is an important area to certainly look at uh, in more depth of supporting our healthcare professionals, both during the pandemic and uh, with whatever new normal we enter uh, and emerge from. Uh, this is all the time we have for today's episode. So please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And until next time, be well.